Mommy's Podcast. It's called A Slice of Paradise. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you enjoy it. Or, or. This is it. This is it. What are we gonna? I think I'm gonna cry in this episode. I know I am. We'll do it together. Okay. I uh, might cry too. <laughs> please cry with us. Mm. Welcome to episode six and the last episode, maybe, of Flipping Tables. Um, our guest this week is Mike Goodrich, and Mike is a great friend of both of ours. Um, family, honestly. Uh, he's the worship leader at a local church here, and um, I love worshiping with him. He was a guest on my podcast uh, last season. I know that. I don't know which episode it was, but last season. And uh, it's just been really cool to get to know a little bit more about his story, but he's going to share even more with us tonight. The original idea behind this was we're going to journey towards an interview with Jesus. He's going to come into our home. We're going to put some things away, clean some things up if we have to, try to get everything prepared for this interview with Jesus. What would you do to, to prepare for this interview with Jesus? And so we've we've gone through that. We've talked about the flip of the table. We've talked about the veil. We've talked about how you don't have to prepare for the mm-hmm. interview. You don't have to prepare. He's there all the time. He's accessible to us. He knows everything. He knows all of our wrongdoings um, and all the great things that we've done, too. It was written by him that we would do it. And so... Uh, Last week, of course, we talked about the important seats at our table, who sits at our table, and having God at the head the episode before that, mm-hmm. um, and how important that was. And so we are rounding out this season with what it would be like if we were to sit down and have an interview with God. And uh, Mike has had a big year, mm-hmm. a big couple years, honestly. Yeah. It was hard for us to tell you a time frame to like condense this into, because um, I feel like I could come up with several table flips in your life and I haven't known you for very long um but he is going to share a little bit about his testimony over the last year and how that's changed and I'm just really excited to see what God does with this so let's hear it all right so uh I'd like to start with this when when the right people are at your table nothing is uh unaccomplishable in God's eyes like the miracles can happen Mm -hmm. the sickness can go away the Mm -hmm. healing can start it all comes down to having that right table. As Wesley talked about last week, there's a couple of different tables. And uh, getting to those different tables, the one that you come home to, that one solidified table that's yours for the sharpening, uh, nothing can't be done there. That's where all the struggles of your life become easier. When Jesus is sitting at the head of your table, you're, you're taking Jesus in and every single thing, that's when life can begin. And I truly feel like over the course of the last year or two, um, my life has began, you know, life starts with salvation. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of times it takes something, somebody going through something really traumatic to actually find that final flip. Like, okay, I'm done. You got this, right. you know, as you've heard in many of the different episodes from Kelly, uh, to Wesley and everyone in between, what does life mean for me now? You know, it comes down to four things, loving God, 
inviting others to join in that love, spreading Jesus' word to everybody I can, following him in my walk, and then uh, experiencing the blessings. And so when I talk about the blessings, it, it took me a while to understand what this actually meant because I have always felt like there were an abundance of blessings around me, but I never stopped to visually understand what they were until my brain tumor. So I'd like to start with Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I love that verse. Mm. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by your works, so that no one can boast. So the gift of salvation, we don't deserve it. But if it's his purpose for your life and you're ready to Mm. accept it, it can be right there and your life can really begin. So some of the abundance of blessings that were poured out over my life is my brain tumor journey. Um, Some would say, you're crazy, because it's not a blessing. Um, But getting closer in my walk and further along my walk, I'm reminded of 1 John, consider it a great joy, my brothers, as you endure trials, because trials produce endurance. So how many people can say that they suffered a brain tumor, but it's actually a blessing because God placed in my life exactly the moment the brain tumor started and exactly the moment he was ready to take it out. And I was going to be able to walk with that. Some examples of that were I was in uh, room 52 when I recovered from my brain tumor surgery. That was my high school, uh, middle school football number. Uh, My nurse's name was Gary. That was my best friend's dad's name. He lived right across the street from me on Fern Bluff Avenue in Round Rock. Um, Jamie was staying in room 620 at the hotel across from MD Anderson in Houston. 620 was the street I grew up on in Round Rock. Um, And then just along the way, it's just so interesting how he laid it out purposefully to say, hey, here's exactly when. And the doctors all said... um, that they had thought it was about 20 to 25 years. So that time frame was literally just matched right up with my life, which is a huge blessing because most people go through uh, a traumatic event and don't remember. And I even remember all the way down to the seizure I was having in my office, every second of that understanding that I wasn't going to die in that office that day because I didn't want Jamie or Emily to come find me. So I fought through it. And by the grace of God, he allowed me to fight through that and get out of my office and be living today. Um, another huge blessing poured out through that brain tumor journey was a wife that was so firmly planted in her faith that she knew I was going to be okay. Even when I didn't, because I had already written myself off. I went to a women's conference with Shelly earlier this year, uh, to meet some really incredible ladies. I was able to be there to help lead worship. And, uh, some of the ladies that were put in front of me, one of them was a leader of the conference and her brother died of a brain tumor. I was also introduced to a lady there that had just recently been diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so we're starting to talk about these threes, which happened in our lives a lot. And we just have to open our eyes to see them. Um, The last one is kind of really close to home for me because it it started right here in Bremont. So there's this gentleman that was in Bremont that was diagnosed with a brain tumor in the very same time frame that I was. and he's the exact same age as me. He had brain surgery. I had brain surgery. I was keeping up with him a lot. And then uh, I kind of fell off the wagon and didn't talk to him for about a year. And then something happened 
and I, I wanted to reach out to him to see how he was doing. He said, Mike, I'm not doing so good. I have great days. I have bad days. He was doing radio, radio, radiation, chemotherapy, and immunotherapy all at the same time. Mm. So his body was getting tore up. Mm. Um, so I asked him if I could take him to lunch. And he said, if I'm feeling okay, you can absolutely take me to lunch. Uh, and that would be great. So I told him when we got back from Tennessee, I was going to take him to lunch and see how he's doing and just lift his spirits, you know, just be a vessel for him. Uh, when we came back, we went to the grocery store and we ran into his mom. And it turns out that uh, he is now with the Lord. He died when we were in Tennessee. But the importance of that story is that everything happens in threes with the, the ladies that were presented in front of me at that women's conference. And then uh, my friend here in Bremont that lost his battle with his brain tumor. And really where that aligns up to me is I know that there's something I need to do more with my brain tumor because of that blessing in my life of me being able to live the journey and walk the walk and really having my final table flipped over for my life to begin mm. for Jesus to start to do the works through me, not of me, but because I was gifted that salvation because I definitely don't deserve it. And he's entrusted me with it. So I'm going to do the best I can uh, outside of that. Uh, I think with my friend here in Bremont that passed away, I, I can't help but feel imme immediate guilt. When his mom told me he passed away, I would, after the conversation, I was talking to Jamie in the store and I said, you know what, I just feel so bad about it. <clears throat> and then she said, wake up. Maybe that was your moment for his comfort where Jesus could call him home because everything was okay at that very moment. Right. He needed me to reach out. Yeah. So We never know and I don't think we're supposed to. Mm-mm. We're not supposed to, because either way, whether you did or you didn't, that didn't change. I believe that he knows the Lamb's Book of Life when we enter this world and when we leave this world. He knows everything that's going to happen in between. Mm. And not and knowing that that isn't in our control is kind of a relief. Yeah. Because how much would we have messed up? So, But it does make you evaluate opportunities. So I guarantee you the next time that you're presented with that, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you, be like, hey, hey, hey. Hmm. 100%. I want to talk a little bit about when you use the word salvation. Mm -hmm. um, you said it all starts with salvation and everything else comes after that. And you refer to a year ago as salvation for you. But that's not when you were saved. Mm -hmm. You were saved long before that and you felt another form of salvation, an, an out-of-the-box traumatic flip of the table that was salvation for you. You're terming it salvation. Tell me why you choose to use the term salvation when it comes to a year ago's events. I think I finally opened my eyes enough to submit to his will because I'd been serving the church for many, many years, many years, all the way back to middle school even. Uh, but I was serving the church. I wasn't serving Jesus. And that's really big in my life because in the last year, year and a half's time, we switched from a contract you know to a covenant and when we get into a covenant with Jesus that's a promise that's not meant to be broken mm -hmm. and understanding what that promise looks like a contract is a piece of paper you can sign rip it up and throw it away how many times did I go to church on Sunday and rip up the contract and get drunk that afternoon I was gonna say a contract in my line of business has an expiration date that's right and so <clears throat> that totally makes full circle to the verse that you opened with for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works. Mm. Serving the church, that's works. Yeah. Yeah. 
serving Christ. Some people serve Christ their whole life and never serve in the church. Never step foot in the church. Right. So I just, I love that you just totally changed the lens that we're looking at this through of whatever you're doing at church or being there or whatever, without Jesus Christ being the one leading you to do that service, what are you doing? And that's what you kind of explained that you you know, we're guilty of innocence for all those years, as I have been too. So I think for me, taking that a step further from covenant versus contract is recognizing my identity. You know, being a Christian is my identity. Being a worship leader is my identity in being a Christian or Christ follower. And then uh, it's not a social status or it's not an activity that's a social status. But also taking that a step further, the activity now, because I'm a Christian, is discipleship. Walking in that covenant means taking every opportunity I can to serve the table, to serve the people around me. Yeah. Um, now, I do fail a lot because you can find yourself not serving the people that you should be serving <clears throat> most when you're focused on serving the bigger table. That's and good. sometimes you have to focus on that smaller table again, yeah. um, which I'm reminded of a lot because I think we all fail. We try to walk in that Christian path or we try to walk that path and follow in Jesus' footsteps, but we all get off the track. And that's why he's the, the biggest shepherd of all to bring us right back in and show us where we need to improve. But also once you decide or once you figure out uh, you're walking in your covenant and you're discipling, you're being a great Christian. So you feel you can start to understand joy. And once you start to understand joy, that's where life begins. Is because you're not, you're no longer willing to hide, you're no longer willing to put things in the closet, you're no longer willing to crop photos. It's all about growing uh, the kingdom with Jesus, and a life surrendered is the beginning of life. It's not the end. I think it's so important for us to be able to call out our failures publicly, mm -hmm. and maybe not like on social media, but like to our families, sure. to our to our table and say, this is, this is something I'm struggling with. And this is, you know, something I need prayer over. I need, I need you to intervene. I need you to breathe life into me. I need you to hold me accountable, hold me accountable, approach the throne with me about this. Um, <clears throat> just be honest with yourself and call it out and say, yeah, this is something that I'm really struggling with. I think that's so important. And, and I think it's vulnerable to do that. It's very vulnerable, but you're right. When you, when we're not cropping photos anymore and we're not just posting the highlight reel, it encourages others to be vulnerable too. And so our walks become more on parade, whether they're on the mountain or in the valley. They're both on parade. Yeah. It's good. Where are we going now? I want to ask why we, why do we feel like we have to do the hiding? Why do we feel like we need to serve but not serve Christ? Like, why do we make all these things be so vague and do them for the, with the wrong intentions? Like, is it pressure? Is it, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what, what makes it be that way? It's, where it's like, hearted Yeah. To say, like, okay, I want to straddle this fence. Yeah. Nobody does that consciously. You, no one wants to do that. But we do. So it makes me ask the question of how does that even start? You know? Man, that's a hard question to answer. Yeah. Well, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, just a humble moment here. I think for me, it comes down to self-gratification. And 
self-idolization, if that makes sense. So for many years, I was a worship leader. How, how many times has someone come up to me and said, dude, you got a great voice. Or dude, you can play the snot out of that guitar. You know? And the same thing when I was playing music outside of the church. And that's a whole nother story we can get into in a minute. But it's it's just that it's the feel-good moments where you're like, you know what? I'm not going to show you my true self because this is who you're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. And you like that person. Right. Mm-hmm. We, I want to give you what the people like. That's right. Validated. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it really what that was doing is taking me further away from Jesus. Uh, Ricky said it in episode two that we begin to idolize those things. You know, right. that veil is thick. Yes. That veil is super heavy. But when Jesus says it is finished and the ground shook and that veil tore wide open, that's the last year and a half of my life because I could care less about anything that doesn't have to do with growing the kingdom. Right. Like we just don't have time for it. Well, tell me what that looks like then because you don't play any secular things anymore. So what? why did that become a big deal for you so i think it was conviction of the heart and i battled this for a long time um anybody that's known me through the years knows you know i've played all around texas and i've done this and that you know i've played a lot of places but that doesn't matter right uh what matters is is i felt the conviction of the heart that when i walked into a bar and i was playing music i felt no other thing than i was causing someone else to stumble Because what's my job as an entertainer? To make you feel good about yourself. To send you to the bar for another drink. Oh, and don't forget to tip the bartender because they're doing a great job. Mm -hmm. You know? Everything that we should be running from, I was leading into. I was telling people, hey, it's okay, you know? And then I wake up on Sunday morning and just say, my God is an awesome God. You know, like right on stage again. But for many years, those things don't add up. They don't mesh up. So who am I? Mark 9 says it best. Tie a millstone around your neck and jump into the deepest part of the sea. You know? Because I felt wholeheartedly I was causing others to stumble and that just couldn't happen anymore. Mm. And I also had to realize I had to stop chasing easy money. Because the abundance of the kingdom is way more fruitful than any dollar could put in front of my face. Preach. I want you to get into the details of that. Because... um, We've talked about this offline, about how much money you could make in a night mm-hmm. at a bar or whatever kind of show you were, you were playing at. But saying no to all of that is saying no sometimes to financial peace, right? right? But you've found financial peace in the promise that you're building the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And you've been able to, as a family, step away from what, just what you said, easy money, and just say... I know God's going to take care of it because this is the decision that we've made as a family collectively together. We've made this decision. And there's nights, I'm sure, where we all have gone gone through this, where we're going, all right, we've got this bill due, this bill due, this bill due, Mm -hmm. but we're going to make sure that, and God's going to make sure that it's taken care of. Every time. Yeah. Every time. It's all paid. It was so easy if we got into a bind because we splurged the weekend before. We bought a bunch of stuff we didn't need that I would just say it's all good I got this you mm-hmm. know and I would go play a show and I would come home and I would hit Jamie a wad of cash and I'm like there's your bill money but then again I mean it, that's the rub of gratification yeah yeah because I got this I could do it that's mm-hmm. it right I think too a lot of people you know because we say oh well Jesus sat with sinners and he didn't sin 
you know, yeah, he didn't sin and I'm not Jesus. Yeah. So there may be a time in my life where I can go into those places and not sin, but I'm not there yet. And I know my mentality. I know the things I've been released and delivered from. So that's why it's a no for me, but it doesn't have to be that for everybody else, you know? Yeah. I think that that's, that's what's hard too, because we want to be in the world, but not of the world. So if all Christians did was stay in our little box and exclude ourselves from the world, we would never be able to shine the light. Or grow the kingdom. And so, but when you say like, hey, how come Mike won't play for us? Oh, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like what testimony it is just to do it. You don't have to say it. You just do it. Yeah. And the thing is, what somebody else is trying to, to grow from and get delivered from, you don't have to understand. That's true. You don't have to understand, and you don't have to be, the, you don't have to explain it to anybody else who isn't understanding. So props to you for that. So thank you. Um, worship leading has become much more fruitful since those days, too. So if we look at Matthew 638. Seek not the things of this world, but seek me first and build up the kingdom of God. Mm. So as much as I was idolizing that quick buck and not idolizing that anymore, but seeking Jesus's word first and seeking the kingdom first, it's made me realize that my place as a worship leader isn't just to get up there and sing music. It goes well deeper than that. I, I speak to this often where our job as a worship team is to bring a congregation to a place to receive a message. Let that sink in for a second. Breaking someone's heart wide open mm. so that they can hear what Jesus has to tell them that Sunday morning. That one person that needed to hear it. And if we were busy gratifying ourselves the night before, there's no possible way. No possible way we could do that in accordance to his will. And taking that a step further as a, as a worship leader, my, my, that's not my only job. My my other jobs in accordance to the kingdom is to foster and develop relationships between anybody that walks through the door. Mm-hmm. Whether they're a congregation member coming to sit down, they see me smile. Say, hey, how are you doing this morning? Shaking hands with people as they leave. Breaking bread with the elders, the leadership team, the pastor. I, I think I talk to uh, my pastor more than I've talked to any other pastors. And I've had some really great ones along the way. I love them all. <coughs> but... Since this flip, this last final flip that we're on right now, and I, I'm not saying this is the final flip because there's probably going to be right. lots more, you know, as as life unfolds. But I talk to my pastor, I think, every day. And it's so fruitful because I know, I know what struggles he's going through when I hear him talk about them with me. And then he knows my struggles. And we talk about how the church is doing and what the direction is from his vision and what Jesus is laying on his heart, which allows us to pick music and kind of mesh all of that stuff together to just present a great worship for Jesus because it, the only thing that matters when we get up there is singing as loud as we can for him yeah, and just laying it all down for him because he deserves it. You know, he didn't have to come. He could have snapped his fingers and said, it's all finished, but he decided not to. He decided to fulfill. All of us in here in the room are huge on worship music. Um, Even though y'all still won't let me use the tambourine, why? Do you I'm want just to wanting to be included in on this, and y'all just from now on, I'll just be in the crowd. No worries. Bring your own tambourine. <laughs> if you want to bring your tambourine, come with me. Oh man! But I mean, last week we talked about worship songs with Leslie, and mm-hmm. and 
on a strange, bizarre turn of events. We never would have expected Wesley to be such a big oh, he's huge worship. praise and worship, but now he is, right, because of the flip in his own life. Um, but when I think about the importance of worship in a church service, mm-hmm. it is usually done at the beginning of the service, mm-hmm. and it is like a gradual marinating of, like, the heart for the word that's about to come. And it is, and some churches I've been in, it's like, okay, let's start out with the peppy. And then we move on to the slow stuff. And then the very last one is like, we are deep and we are crying out and we are ready to receive, right? Mm -hmm. And you've already received through that worship service. So um, I think there's so much responsibility, so much weight behind the picking of the songs, the praying over the songs, the delivery of the songs, who sings what song, um, because that could totally change the way that that person views what comes after. Because that's the marinating of the heart for me. And at least that's the way that I look at worship. I love that you look at worship like that. And I think anybody that's going to be behind the microphone during worship needs to look at it. Yeah. That way. Because it's severe. It's It's not performing. He's performed his whole life. But Sunday mornings, he does not perform. Yeah. And I feel like so much of what you do and and those of us who lead worship sometimes we do the same thing it's like we are on the stage singing because we want to receive too it's not just we're doing this for the people who come we are doing this because we're crying out to him right like we are waiting to to be marinated because we're going to sit in those seats and we're going to hear the pastor talk about whatever it is that god's laid on his heart for the day and to receive on stage and also watch people receive Mm is huge right yeah i mean chad right (laughs) let's just say it with his arms stretched all the way out yeah to feel what he's feeling and go i got you like i remember just locking eyes with him that day of like you're feeling this too right like i could i just want to be like yeah you got it too and you could tell he had it it's just it's just so cool it's heavy it's special um it's a an amazing opportunity to be able to to lead worship, bring worship mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning or any other day of the week. But um, yeah. I yeah. love that that you get to do it all the time now and that you get to pray on those songs um, throughout the week and have conversations with your pastor about it. That's just it's so cool. And let's not forget that you were told that you could not sing during a long period of time. So Dr. Chelsea's with us sitting there at lunch. And Mike shows her a picture of, we're talking about how these two women had come up to him at this conference. She was there too, talked about the brain tumor. He shows her a picture of the brain tumor. She looks at it and she's like, okay, kind of gets quiet for a little bit. And she's like, where this placement is, you should not even be able to use your arm to be even be able to play the guitar. The fact that you're even playing this instrument still is a miracle in itself. What did you do right then? Like, how did you feel? Did you cry? Yeah. Right there at lunch. That is incredible. (laughs) Yeah. My hands should not work. But they do because of the grace of God and his purpose in my life. And that's the epitome of using our gifts for his glory. Yeah. So when you talked, we we talked a little bit before this uh, recording, this episode, and we talk about an interview with Jesus. Like, when I get to sit across... It's so easy to just say, why me? Mm -hmm. You know, why the abundance of blessings? I'm sitting here right before you right now. Why? And the the only answer is, that's the purpose for my life, 
Like my job, my purpose is to be a worship leader, to help others get closer to Jesus. And of course, lead my family. But you said it best when you said pray about it. Picking music. Yeah. Living your life. Taking the first step out of bed. Struggles, joy, happiness, blessings. Pray about it. That is the answer. As heavy as worship can be and as exhausting. So let me tell you, anything spiritual-led. Tell me. It it just, <laughs> it, it takes it out of you. Like It takes every wow. ounce of your bil- yes. being just completely out and throws it in the trash can. Says, come back tomorrow, we'll start again. After you want to sleep for about a week. Yeah. I get to do it every week. Mm-hmm. With a team of talented, talented people serving. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. But constant prayer over what the music is. And not just saying, oh, I'm going to sing this song because I like it. Yeah. You know, like, it doesn't matter what I like. I'm not the focus of attention. This whole thing is not about me. Nothing's about me. It's all about him. I want to I want to answer the question to what you said you would, you would ask him, why me? Why mm-hmm. me? And it's because you're his friend. And this is what he says in John chapter 15, verse 14. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and read 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. What did Jesus lay down for us? Mm-hmm. His life. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. You are his friend. Yeah. You are his friend. He appointed you. Yeah. To bear fruit. All right. So since we're on the friend subject, I've done some research. I'm going to tell you a little story. Okay. So a man by the name of Joseph Scriven lived in Ireland in the 1800s. Is he, he your friend? He is my great friend. Okay. <laughs> just want to just want to clear that up. He was head over heels in love with his girlfriend and the day before they were to be married, they were riding on horseback to meet each other and her horse bucked, threw her off. She hit her head on a rock beside a riverbed and died moments before her soon-to-be husband arrived to find her. Mm. So Joseph has lost his fiance. His life immediately fell apart. He moved from Ireland to Canada and fell massively in love with living for Jesus and decided to live out his life in the style of the Sermon on the Mount. So he chose to live in poverty. He would not work for anyone. He was a carpenter. He would not work for anyone who could who could afford him. So he would only work for people who couldn't afford him and at a very, very, very poor rate, right? Only the poor. A young lady in Canada saw that the very godly, the very godly man, they fell in love, and weeks before they were to be married, she came down with pneumonia and passed away. So not once, but twice, the love of his life was taken from him. Hmm. He never fell in love again. Years went by, and when his mother was dying back in Ireland, he wrote her a poem, and he sent it to her. It gained some fame, but anonymously. Nobody really knew who wrote this poem. Years later, someone was in his house with him. A friend of his found the poem. The friend who found it asked him if he, if he wrote it. Did you write this poem? He said, quote, to be fair, the Lord and I wrote this poem. Mm. And the poem was the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. So I'm going to read it to you. That's one of my favorite hymns. I grew up I know. on this song, y'all. I know. I could sing it in my sleep. Standing but up when, in a pew. But when you read these lyrics, I'm going to say them out loud. Okay. 
What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. How much grief did that man have? What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And when I think about Jesus coming into my home and having a conversation with me, the people that I let into my home are my friends. And you better believe I'd let that man in my home. Oh, yeah. And I'm reclined, as we talked about last week. I'm like, come on in. Can I get you some nachos, you know? Mm -hmm. He is my friend. He is my friend. He is, you know, my Savior. He is the Lord of all lords, the King of all kings. He is the the chosen one, right? Mm -hmm. Born of a virgin, all these things, the Almighty, and he's my friend. He is accessible to me by prayer. He is... Um, 24/7. always there 24 seven. Like mm-hmm. uh, there's no time frame that I can't access him. And so today I was thinking, you know, I, I do feel like I have a constant dialogue with Jesus some days less than others. I'll be very honest. Um, but if, if I chose to have a conversation with him, I was thinking about what I would have a conversation about and it made me wonder what other people would say. So I typed into Google quote, if you were to have a conversation with God, and so on this sheet, I have a screenshot. I don't know if you can see it, but a screenshot of the Google search. And you know how when you type something into Google, it gives you like Google suggestions that people have actually searched for. This is crazy. So I typed in, if you were to have a conversation with God, it came up how to ask God for something you really want, hmm. how to get Jesus to talk to you, what to say to God, talking to God daily. Can you speak directly to God? How to ask God for a sign? how to ask God a question and get an answer. Can we talk to God about anything? Mm. And I was just, I just stopped and looked at my phone like, people are asking these questions. They want to know. They want to know. The world is hungry. Man. And, And it is so not scientific. There is no answer to any of these questions besides just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Like, just do it. Just speak to him. It is a constant dialogue. There is no these and thous and all the things. There's nothing fancy about it. There doesn't have to be. And uh, I think so often we can get intimidated by hearing people that pray so well. You, we know these people. You're one of these people, so don't even don't even nod your head at me. Oh, throw in shade. But like in the prayer reference scripture, I'm like, girl, my head is on whatever it is I'm praying for, and I cannot come up with scripture on a dime. And so we can get kind of intimidated based on. Yeah. People who pray so well on the on the dime, right? It's something you practice. It is. Knowing his word, you practice. Because the thing about it is when you pray and someone spits word, yeah, a genuine person, the reason why is because that's the answer they're getting as they're talking. Yeah. That they're reciting his word back to him. You wanna know why? Because the spirit's the one giving it mm-hmm. to them. The spirit, the Holy Spirit takes what we have. He the Bible says he cleans up our words. To take them to the throne. Right. That's as easy as it gets. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know, it doesn't matter. That's right. Because he's going to clean it up. Mm. 
there's a, I'm in a season right now in my life where prayer is all new to me. That's a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> but, but I'm praying for things that I don't know to pray for. And I say that in itself. I'm like, God, I don't even know what to pray for right now, but you know what's coming ahead of me. Yeah. Lord, I'm bringing that to you. Prepare me for it. And it, I don't have a clue of even the subject matter. Yeah. That's the God that we serve. Right. A God that we don't have to an- have to have the answers or the we question. Have, we have to have to trust that He does. Yeah. Oh man, you you hit on some really good stuff there that I was actually I just sparked Sorry. me to talk into. No, this is perfect. This is off. This is not in in my notes, but uh, <laughs> it's when I said why God, right? So we look at God as the ultimate friend, mm-hmm. the person that's never going to say not right now. But if we look at God, the Father. How many times can we reference in our lives as parents where one of our children will walk up and say, Dad, I got a question. And I say, not right now. Mm. God the Father will never do that to you. Right. He will always listen. And never be afraid to ask him the hard questions. You know, when you're stuck, when you're hitting a wall and you don't know where to go, ask why. No question is dumb for God. That's true. You know, now we'll say this. And like Shelly just referenced, sometimes he's not going to give you the answer. But that's on purpose, too, because maybe sometimes it's the trial that you're about to endure. That is the answer. Or it's the blessing that's about to come. That's the answer. But the whole point of that, walking in your new life, is being obedient to understanding that you have to take the first step. Because if you don't walk through the door, he can't close it behind you. Oh, I was just about to say there's so much obedience in prayer because you're you're stopping what you're doing and you're praying but you're also trusting that you have the faith that he's going to do something with this, mm-hmm. even when you don't know the thing. And that you're heard. Yeah. How many of us just want somebody to talk to and actually listen? Mm-hmm. We got All that. of us. All of us want that. You got that in him. And the thing about it is, no matter how short and how kindergarten vocabulary you use or how, you know, mm-hmm doctor doctoral degree you use i can't even say that word correctly (laughs) definitely don't have it (laughs) um like your prayers that you taking that step of obedience can be the the start of healing someone from their disease god healing someone from their disease Mm -hmm. saving a marriage um you know healing hearts softening hearts like that step of obedience and saying okay i'm going to take my hands off of this i'm going to pray for this Mm. could be the single obedient thing that god is waiting on you to do to say give me the reins let me take over Mm. and then he can take action but just like you said he's standing at the door and knocking right we have to open the door and let him in and sometimes that's just prayer sometimes that's just saying all right hands off i'm doing it you you take this Yep, and if we look at Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. So a stark reminder is to be steadfast in your journey, even in the unknown, because we can always trust that His will is perfect timing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that when it comes to you changing the way that you lead worship, us changing the flip, right? We're doing things that maybe even look still the same, but they're different for us. It's changing up our fruit. And I want to ask ourselves, is the fruit in our lives, does it show that we are friends with Jesus? Mm. How are we a friend with Jesus? You keep my commands. 
do we live lives that show, yeah, Jesus is my friend. You know, one of our friends at Bible study on Monday, she said it was such an insult to her because someone that she actually called Papa, you know, <laughs> like a secondary father, that's how much she cared about him. She said that she was like, yeah, well, I'll do that after I go to church Sunday. And he was like, oh, I never pegged you for a church girl. And she thought, how humiliating that someone I think is so dear enough to know me, to call him an intimate name, has no clue who. Sure. That I what? Like I'm not We're messing up. Myself. Yeah. Yeah. Do we know? Are we? Do we have fruit to say? Yeah, I'm a friend of Jesus. I think as much as we talk about prayer, and preaching to myself here, you have to be in a season of constant pruning. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't prune the tree, it's gonna die. It has to be pruned. I had a conversation today about self-reflection. And a friend of mine was like, yeah, you know, I I reflected on that several years ago, and I've just come to grips with this. It's just the way that I am. And and I'm like, wait, several years ago? You haven't reflected on that in several years? Like, life, just like you said, pruning, it has to be a constant Mm self-reflection and a constant self-improvement. I'm reaching to be more at my job. I should also reach to be more in my walk. Sure. Right? I love that. I love that you said it's the pruning. When I think about pruning, man, because look at the season, look at the trees outside, right? Like everything's dying, but it was so orange before and mm. it was so popping, right? Beautiful colors. Yeah. And I think about the pruning that has to go into effect so that spring can come and all these beautiful things can can grow again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I love, to, I love to look at that picture for our lives. Okay, so I want to circle back around to something that you said earlier about it not being a contract, it being a covenant. You know, you said that a contract in your line of work has an expiration date. Mm-hmm. You said it's just a legality piece of paper and how we can sign up for things and how we treat our relationship with Jesus like that. Like, okay, I'm badging to you for this, but when Saturday night hits, expired, yep. or whatever it might be, um, after I've gone through a series of loss, you know what? My contract's up. I- I'm out on this deal with you because I don't feel like you're my friend right now. That's because right. we think, too, salvation and a Christian and... Life is life in abundance and glorious glories. That's right. Where's God? No, God's still God. So I want to talk about the covenant part. So covenant is something that God established with us, with man from the beginning of time. Like he created us as humans to praise and worship him, to be in covenant with him. Hmm. Old Testament comes, law. Then Jesus comes and he says this right here. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So he's saying, look here. This is about to be changed. You want to know why? Because of me and because of what I'm about to do. <laughs> then he also says what we read earlier in John, I do this for my friends. I sacrifice for my friends. One to lay down his life for his friends. So he pours out his blood for us so that we can be in covenant with him. And I just think that's so severe. Like who else is going to say, hey, look, let's be in covenant. Hmm. Here's my, like, no. You know, but we don't show it with that much reverence, we look at it like it can be a a burden in a sense, like Mm -hmm. serving. If it's not glorifying me, then nah, I don't really know. If it's going to put me out, if it's going to have to make me get uncomfortable, then we're not down for that. But that's not part of being in a covenant. That's true. A covenant is sacrificial and he already sacrificed the ultimate thing for us. So it's just about doing it through a new lens and not doing it because of any kind of worldly desire. Or anything you might gain from it. And that's a total rewrite. Like a total rewriting of the narrative about, about 
what a lot of us were just like, yeah, we have a role in the church and we're just going to get in that church and we're going to do that role. But like, have you prayed over that role? Have yeah. you have you really gone to the throne about this role and about the severity of what this responsibility is? I mean, we volunteer all day long, but it's a to-do list sometimes about, well, we've got to make sure we're there for this and there for this and we've got to, you know, present this to this team or whatever. Um, but are we really, and this is a total action inside, ask to myself, are we really praying over what it is that we're that we're signing up for? Or are we feeling a calling towards it at all? Sometimes we say yes to things, too, out of um, habit. And then we hinder someone else from being able to do it. Oh. 100%. Like, don't just say yes because you've done it. Pray about it and say, okay. Because God might be using that to prepare and to, to fulfill somebody else. But here you are saying yes, and you're doing fine. You've been doing it. Yeah, but you've been doing it the same way. Yeah, and do you need to? Maybe there's something else for you, you know? So when we talk about our tables, Wesley mentioned last week that his small table at home was filled with other married couples, right? So covenant is about a promise, right? not a behavior. Mm. A contract is about a behavior, not a promise. So let's talk about the most misconstrued thing right now, which is marriage. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing you have to get before you can marry your partner? A marriage license. A piece of paper. That's right. But when you are anointed by God, when two become one, and then you put God at the head of your table, that's your trinity. Two became one. Two became three. three. Because you have Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's the ultimate covenant, you know? When you can marry your partner marry your spouse and live your life in accordance to Jesus' will. That's the ultimate covenant. Yeah. Because a covenant's a promise that's never meant to be broken. Like that's the, you cannot do that, <laughs> you know? And a contract, you can just tear that marriage license up and throw it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to ask you about something that I know is um, dear to you. Obviously you knew you didn't even, how long did you go without singing? During the brain tumor and all that stuff? Four months, I think. Okay. Four months on the money, actually. Okay. Before I even tried to sing. Okay. And then I was with you the day, the first time you were on stage again. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. But since then, obviously God's done a crazy work amongst you and your skill and your gifts in the past year. But what's this new thing that you got, that you got written out, that you've been working on? Oh, I've uh, I've started writing music for the first time in my life that's not secular. Mm. And uh, unpacking that because I feel, <laughs> I feel, I don't know if it's conviction or a calling at this point, right? Uh, I, I believe it is a calling. <coughs> um, I've started to write music and I've started to write it for him because it's what feels natural to me now. Whereas before... Uh, I, like I had mentioned before where I was going to church, but I wasn't serving him. Now I think it feels okay to write for him and say, I'm here for you. Mm. And I think, uh, in the, the in the music the world, same at both tables. Yeah. That's good. And in the music world, you know, um, <laughs> when, when we evaluate Christian music today, Christian music is really, really different today than it was 15, 20 years ago. Um, 
in the past, music was very much a, I'm calling out to you because I need you. Mm-hmm. I need you now. And then now it's about what he's done for me, you know, where so it's kind of taking a flip and marrying both of those together. Um, but I find a lot of interesting things happen to me in my life where music will just come out and I'll be able to open up a notes app, like literally at the most inopportune time. And I'm typing and Jamie's like, Mike, we're walking. And I'm like, hold on a second. I got to type this out, you know, and then five minutes later, we'll have a song. Um, And it's been really humbling to, to be able to have that blessing poured out over my life right now. And we'll just see where it goes. Okay. Can we hear it? Yeah. You can hear one. Okay. Let's go. I mean, I'll get the tambourine. Y'all ready? <laughs> no. No thanks. Signing so autographs good. on Thursday. <laughs> you know how many of my friends are so talented with this? And I'm like, here, work on the shirt table. You've got your own talents. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that we don't have, by the way. You ready? Hit it. Bye. 
just want to pray over every listener right now. The, you know, this whole six-week series has definitely flipped our tables mm. for Karen and I both. I think I can say that with all confidence to know that what I thought was going to come from this, I had it wrong. Yeah, I had it all wrong. And, and we, we made our template, but we let him lead. Mm-hmm. And I pray that we always continue to do that no matter what. But if your table has been flipped and any of these any of these episodes of these six has resonated with you, reach out to us and join us in the community of believers. Yeah. If you have questions, if you need prayer, hit us up because that's what this is. I don't want this to be something that you listen to and we never get to to know the, the battle that you're going on going on with you. If you've never accepted Jesus and you want to do that, I encourage you to because the door is is wide open waiting on you to just walk in it. So I just want to pray for you as we end this. God, I just humbly come before you, Lord, just um, thanking you for this platform, Lord. Thanking you for every single bit of ability that you give me and that you show up in all the ways that I am inadequate, Lord. I'm so undeserving of, of all this, God, but I just, I trust you, Lord, and I just ask that you be with every single person listening to this right now, Lord, that they feel your power They feel your peace. God, just grant them the wisdom to know what to do next. To know that they do have you as a friend, Lord. Just guide them and direct them. Pour your love on them, Lord. Grant them with a community. Grant them with more than they could ever ask for. Imagine, God. I just ask that you you be before us, God, and that you bless them in all the ways that only you can, Lord. And that we just... Give us a desire, Father, to just seek you more than we ever have. Ask all these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us this season. Always remember to go follow A Slice of Caradice and Impact Over Influence. Hit subscribe, and we'll see you on the next one. Later. Spread Jesus.